Hey cuties, welcome to Cup of Joy the podcast, created to jumpstart your joy, supersize your soul, and provide a sweet space for your own personal growth. I'm your host, Heidi B, certified food and body coach, life coach, personal trainer, and owner of Joyfully Bee, where I'm obsessed with helping people win the food and body battle and reclaim their joy. I'll share with you stories of people who have shifted their junk to joy and struggles into celebrations to live a life that they love. Each episode is guaranteed to lighten and lift you up. Because on this show, we'll talk truth about topics that block us from living our best life, how to make your body your bestie, and tons of tasty tidbits to make your own cup of joy overflow. Believe it or not, I once lost my joy, but now it's back, and I'm here to help you find yours on the daily. As my mama bee always says, it's time to put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Ready to start? Let's jam. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I Today, I'm bringing a very special episode to you. I have Raya Elizabeth. She is a woman's emotional health coach and specializes in helping women who struggle with anxiety and depression by using the power of coaching techniques and embodiment principles. She believes self-awareness and self-compassion will heal the world, and she's on a mission to make that happen. Good morning, Raya. Hello, hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? Oh, I'm feeling so good. I know the people here don't know, but we were just talking for, what, like 40 minutes? And we were just yes. jamming and all kinds of things. I it's, just love you so much. I love you too. It's amazing what happens when women get together and talk about their passion, which we're both so passionate about helping women just be the best version of themselves, get over all these road bumps and hiccups, life tends to toss at them, right? And I know one of the biggest things for you has been coping with depression. So you guys, so vulnerably today, she's going to share her story with depression, what that looked like for her, because I know that a lot of you are out there suffering with this issue. And she's really on the other side. She is this, if you could see her right now, she is just this beaming ball of love and light and compassion and truly embodies what it means to have survived through this thing that paralyzes so many people. So thank you for jumping on and sharing with us today. You're so welcome. And I really appreciate you seeing me and and acknowledging me. And it's interesting how you used the word survived through depression maybe we'll jump into that a little later because I have to kind of like I realized something about using that word that's something that a lot of people in depression will use like I'm just surviving and so I just yeah I don't know maybe let's not go into that right now but let's bring it up later because I really want to address that all right Um, I'm I'm taking a mental note here that we're going to go back to that word because now we're all on the cut now we're all on edge we're like ooh, tell me more about that I always learn so much when I'm interviewing people on this podcast because the perspective that I have on things, and you know, maybe this is a great place to start, is I've never had depression. At least I don't think I have. So there has been times when I felt down, I felt stuck, I haven't felt like myself. You know, I went through a divorce four years ago and just really never thought that I would snap out of that. And maybe I had a version of depression, but I never wanted to relate to the word because the word had this depth and this darkness that society had put on it, had identified it. I almost didn't want to be a part of that cycle. And so I could honestly say that because of that, I really didn't know what depression felt like in my body. 
what people were truly yeah. talking about, what they were experiencing. So if you could maybe start there on your journey telling us what did it what does it feel like to have depression? What is it? And tell us about your journey. Well, I will say that I grew up with people around me who had depression close in my home. Okay. Right? And so it wasn't a foreign thing to me, right? I was like, but I did, in, as a teenager, I was like, I'm not going to be like that. There's no way I'm going to go and, you know, do whatever I wanted to do. I ended up going through college, and in college, I was in, like, a high-anxiety state, actually. I was in high-achiever mode, hustle, 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 perfectionism. I finished my four-year degree in two and a half years. Whoa! With a 3.9 GPA. Like, I was, like, perfectionist to the max, and I was married to my husband while I was going through college, and he was just like, how do you do this? And there was just something in me that was just like, I am doing this because I am not going to turn out like these people that were depressed in my life and had addiction and all this stuff. I'm going to be successful, right? And right when I graduated, literally the week I graduated, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. And it was like all of this hope that I was I had with creating this big career and being super successful and all that stuff just crashed. Because I also, at the time, I was also a part of the LDS church, so most people would know that as being Mormon. And I grew up in that religion. And there was also this huge expectation for me to be a stay-at-home mom and mm. to just raise my kids. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was totally in burnout mode from the from the college. Burnout, right? Because yeah. honestly, you can imagine. And with that burnout and with the news that I'm probably not going to go and do all this successful stuff and prove to the world who I want to be, with that news as well, and with the experience of being pregnant and just like everything, I ended up experiencing depression for the first time. And it was so interesting because depression like if we get if we get into what it feels like it feels like it's it really is in your body very much in your body just as much as it's in your head mm. so it's interesting like we talk about mental illness right and yes it is mental because you are having deep dark thoughts about like like what's the point of existing why am i even here like yeah just there, there's no point like why why should i why should i even try so those are like the kinds of thoughts that are running through your head but in the body you literally feel like I, I remember telling my husband like it feels like there's a magnet in my bed pulling me mm. down like I cannot find any strength in me to get up I remember in my head being like okay get up Riley get up right back then my name was Riley now it's Raya um, <laughs> but I remember telling myself get up you can do this and I literally wouldn't move. And you couldn't. My body just couldn't move. I was just like, I'm stuck here. Like, I'm stuck. The only thing that could get me out of bed was when my daughter needed something from me to be able to support my daughter and to eat, right? The way I coped with my depression, sometimes I would go day starving. And sometimes I would just be, like, in, in the kitchen every hour just binging, mm. right? So we can relate. You can relate to that as a food and body coach. Like, so that's just how I coped with it. It was, like, the only thing that was actually pleasurable in my life was food, you know? 
Um, and your daughter. Just, that makes so much, that makes actually makes a lot of sense because I was just about to ask you if the only times you could get up were for her and for food, why only those two things? Because that's, yeah, that's. I mean, there was also like, well, you have to understand back then, all of my motivation was through judgment. Mm. through judgment the only thing that motivated me to get up and move was judgment so I'll be honest the only thing that motivated me to take care of my daughter and get up was fear of judgment mm. fear of my husband coming home and be like what the heck she watched the tv all day or whatever like you know I was just like Ugh, like okay force myself to get up take her to the park bring her home crash on my bed again and she's like oh my god like <laughs> there's no there's nothing in me Where's my fire? Like, I don't know where my fire is. Thank you for being really honest about judgment because I I wouldn't have expected you to say the judgment piece, but really it is. It wasn't like the love for food or the love for my daughter. It wasn't out of that heart-centered space. Everything, it sounds like it felt like all of, a lot of the... uh, I mean, my heart was down. Yeah. My heart wasn't even there. It was like... You know, it's interesting when I talk about this time in my life, it can be difficult for me to fully access it, like to fully access what it felt like because the, the food was to numb it, right? And so a lot of my memories are just, like when I try to go back into it, it's the same way that when people talk about trauma, trying to go back in their trauma, it's kind of like blanked out. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is like just darkness. I just remember being in bed a lot right and just there's one thing that I do remember really clearly was when sometimes my husband so my husband is from Nigeria he's in Nigeria depression is not a thing like it's kind of like a in their culture they don't believe in mental illness and Uh so that was something we ran into with each other very early on in our marriage where he could not understand what was going on with me and it was very difficult for him to witness me being that way when when we got married I was like fully active totally functional right um so it was very difficult for him and I remember him coming home sometimes being like you're still in bed like oh and just like freaking out and I would just it was like all I could do was lay in bed all day but then when he would come and by the way can I just say he's completely shifted his approach so I don't want anybody listening to this to be like ah It's amazing but, that they don't, to hear, and it makes total sense that unless your culture has accepted certain norms, it's not even a part of your culture. So we've adopted exactly. this, you know, and labeled these things. And so it, it makes sense. Oh, you have these symptoms. It's this. And we label it. Whereas over there, they don't do that. So he's kind of like, what's what's up with her? Right. Snap out of over it. There, over there, it's a lot of like, suck it up. Yeah. Yeah, get up. You know, and and it's just, yeah. But for me, I was like, I can't suck it up. Like, I don't know what's happening, you know. And back to, like, the initial story, he would come home and just be like, what's going on? And and then, all of a sudden, I was feeling something. I was feeling like, don't you dare judge me for this. Like, I have no idea what's happening. I've been trying all day to get out of bed, and I can't. Like, you know, and so that's, like, one of the memories that I can remember really clearly was when I was just like, I I don't know, Michael, I don't know. And I was just screaming, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Right? And, 
you know, something that I've learned through my journey, and this is where we can kind of share, like, one thing that is really helpful in moving through depression is when you're finding yourself speaking the phrase, I don't know what's wrong with me, you really want to shift that because there's two things present in that, that sentence. The phrase, I don't know, is so wrong. We do know. Mm-hmm. And just by saying, I don't know, you're blocking yourself from your own inner wisdom. Just shifting that, right? That's like one part of that phrase. And then the next part, I don't know what's wrong with me. That's, that's self-judgment. Mm-hmm. And something that I've really come to understand is there is a reason for everything that we do. There was reasons, let me tell you, for why I was depressed. Mm. Even though I would say to myself, I don't know why, there were definitely reasons, and I've come to discover them and explore through them and then let them go, Mm. right? How do you shift those two statements? What would you say to somebody listening who's like, but I really don't know, Raya. Like, I I don't know. I don't get it. I'm feeling the magnet. I can't get up out of bed. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. How did you shift those two statements to... Well, first of all, okay, we do need to just, like, understand how how being a human works. Okay, so your brain stores everything in your whole life. Every single thing you've ever been through, everything you've ever seen, everything is stored mm-hmm. in your brain. We just, our conscious brain is just filtering stuff out, like, a ridiculous percentage of everything we see is just filtering things based on what you think is important. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly wanting, like saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, then your conscious brain is not going to try to find it. But if you start getting curious and you're like, okay, but I really do want to know. Okay, and I really am open to figuring this out and to hearing the answer and to letting it show up. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's really interesting. Your conscious brain will actually open up your subconscious brain and be like, let's go sorting through here. Let's try to find the answer to this. Mm, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the second part with judgment, just what I said, like if somebody's listening to this who says that sentence to themselves, hear me out. The way you're feeling, you're feeling that for a reason. So give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Give yourself the benefit of the doubt. If you're stuck in bed depressed, you have to tell yourself, you know what? There must be a reason for this. Mm. there's nothing wrong with me there's just something going on mm-hmm. there's nothing something inherently wrong with you you're not broken you know yeah when yeah. did when did you decide that you were going to do something about it was and I and I hate to say it like this but I don't know any other way to say it because like I said I've never been through this so it's it's really interesting to have this conversation was there like a mic drop moment of that's what did it I'm no longer doing this anymore. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do something about it. No, that didn't happen. No, no, it was not one moment. That's for sure. Yeah. Keep in mind that a part of the personality that I had created was a high achiever. Right. So I really, really wanted to be productive. Like, I really, really wanted that. And I wanted to be the best version of myself. And I really, really, like, it was so important to me. And yet I was stuck in bed, right? So it was like there was there was always this part of me that was like, I have to figure this out. Like, I have to achieve. I have to be successful. I've learned since then that that was all coming from unworthiness. Mm. All of it, right? But that part of me at the time really did serve me through my depression because it kept me looking for solutions, right. you know? And it was, it was difficult because the 
solutions I would find in the first place. Like if you just do a Google search for depression or whatever, like they're going to tell you the basic stuff. Like, you know, go see your doctor and go for a walk outside and no, 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 no. And I was just like, I would try those things, but then I'd end up back in bed and I'm like, like this stuff doesn't work, you know? And luckily I just had such this perseverance to keep going and keep going and keep going. And it was, it was landing in the life coaching seminar where I realized one of the beliefs that was causing my depression. Mm. So over time, it's kind of been like this, this uh, unlayering, I don't know if that's a word, sure. but like just a, like an onion, just, just been coming apart. Or, and eventually I got to the middle of it and just disintegrated. It just disintegrated and it's gone from my body. But there were layers to it, literally. And I can probably like point out the different layers, but in between each layer, the way I explain this is like, I would realize one belief and then a layer came through. But then there was like a, there was time where I just had to give myself the benefit of the doubt, be self-compassionate, be self-compassionate. Then I'd end up doing another like groundbreaking coaching session or like just going to something. And then I'd realize another deep belief about myself and it would break open and then it would there's time where I go back into compassion giving myself the benefit of the doubt right and there got to a point literally like six months ago where I hit the last layer wow the last belief it was I realized what it was and then it was gone and I have not it feels like depression is not even accessible to me anymore it's like gone to my body wow I'm like I can't even if I tried to be depressed I can't isn't that amazing? That is, I mean, that's a celebration that makes me, I can feel excited in my body for you and I can see the smile on your face, which our listeners can't, but it's just, like I said, it's that beaming version of you that I believe that it's gone. Like, I believe that that doesn't exist anymore. Can you talk a little bit about what some of those beliefs were so that the people who are listening who are like, wait, but, but do I have those beliefs? You know, what were some of those beliefs that you had? So I can think of three main ones, three main moments that were like earth shattering, crazy. And this is what happens in coaching. Yeah. Like coaching is so powerful in that way because you do end up hitting these layers of yourself that you're like, holy shit, this explains everything. And then once you see it, it's gone. It's so cool. But the first layer was realizing that I deeply believed I could never have what I want. Mm. just the way I was raised just the way that things unfolded for me throughout my life it was a seed that grew and grew and grew and I just believed in my bones that everything I desired in my life was not mine was never going to be mine Mm. and that can you see why that would cause a depression absolutely if you can never have what you want why even be around I mean if I'm never going to have a life that I desire for myself if I can't create what I love if I can't have what I want then what's the point exactly yeah exactly so that was a big layer hole and I I'll be honest that one I think that still comes up for me sometimes like because it's really much rooted in my inner child Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've spoken about inner child work on your podcast maybe but essentially like there's a part of me that still struggles with believing that she can have everything she wants yes you know but it's changed a lot since then when I first realized it I was like my mind was blown I was like that's totally why I'm depressed the second layer was this I discovered this in a Tony Robbins seminar the first one was in a different seminar this one was about feeling 
unworthy of being seen. So being seen by people who love me, being seen by the world, being seen in general, like I just felt like I wasn't worth anybody's time in being seen. Mm. When I realized this, it actually, it shone a huge light on um, how much I, when you believe you're not worthy of being seen, you don't end up seeing other people around you either. Right. So it's like everybody's in a shadow. Yep. And I was in that shadow, like kind of like, I feel like I just, there's like this unconscious need to hide all the time, right? And it was coming from an unworthiness, feeling like I'm not enough. If I am seen, it's not going to be enough. So I might as well hide. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know that there's people listening right now going, oh, that's me. I feel that. Yes. And that doesn't yes. and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have depression or you're depressed, right? But it's really important to know that so many of us have this unworthiness wound and so we hide or we only show the highlight reel and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but how many times do we only show the highlight reel instead of what is real? Which is why this podcast is so important because we need to humanize and normalize these things that people are feeling debilitated in some of these areas and if you're feeling that it's okay and there's ways to move through it so that you don't have to stay there forever but so many times we just hide 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 because the world has taught us to only show when we shine only show up when we shine that um you know so we all hide it from each other when so many of us are going through the same thing and if we just Absolutely. learn to talk about the fact that we're feeling unworthy because we didn't have that get that promotion, or we're feeling unworthy because we're a stay-at-home mom, right? Or we're yeah. feeling unworthy because whatever, we're not the size that we want to be, or whatever it is. We, if we can own up to where we're at, we can move through and get to where we actually want to go. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And you know, I think like when you talk about only showing up when you shine, back then there was not even one reason that I felt was worth shining about. Not even one. Not even one. So, of course, I end up in bed every day hiding. Of course. Right? Like, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. It's like, well, duh. Of course that's why I was there. Um, But that was such a deep belief that was not in my conscious mind at the time. It was just a feeling of wanting to be in bed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's where to translate it to. So, yeah, so that's the second layer. Yeah. And, and then the third layer, uh, this is the one I discovered six months ago that was like, it, just, it completely dissipated everything for me. It was realizing that I deeply questioned my own existence and why I even exist in the world. I know that's super deep. Yeah. But it was like, it was like, what is the point of me being here on this planet? That's what it was. That's so it beautiful. It was just like what, it, the way it manifested, right? Because so these deep beliefs, they manifest in something that's like a little like, you know, you're staying in bed or whatever. But the way it manifested was for me, I would think, thought, what's the point all the time? Well, what's the point? What's the point of drinking this healthy smoothie if it's just good? What's the point of that? Like, what's the point of going outside right now? What's the you know, what's the point of any of this, right? And I realized, actually, underneath all of this, this is a questioning of myself. Mm-hmm. And what is the point of being me, of me being here? Why do I exist? For me, that's just called purpose. 
Like we're all here on purpose with a purpose. And so often I feel like we search for it everywhere outside of us. We try to label ourselves as through our careers or through being a mother or an aunt or a father or a whatever. Like we try to find our purpose in doing all these things, right? Going through college in two and a half years, finding your purpose. Like what am I here? What am I meant for? And when it feels like there's nothing left, it's like, What's the point? Why am I even here? But we're all here on purpose for a purpose. It's why you're still breathing. It's why you're still batting your eyes. Even if you're just, even if you're laying in bed debilitated with a blankie over you all day, there is a purpose within you. And when you can unlock, unlock that part. Yeah. The fact that you're here, that you are alive is evident that you have a purpose. Yeah. Hear that. Like the fact you are here and alive is evident that you have purpose. Absolutely. I, when I realized that, I was like, well, duh. <laughs> oh, my body is here. My heart is beating. Like, well, I, I can't just be here by accident. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know, like, that's not, nothing, nothing is by accident on this planet. This tree outside. That's not by accident. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just so cool. Right? So if we can really connect with that, like, we, we often think of purpose as, like, so now I'm an emotional health coach. My purpose is helping women with emotional health. That's, that's my purpose and how I'm going to contribute to the world. But there's a purpose underneath that even deeper, which is that I have a purpose in just existing here and living a life. And even if I never help another soul, even if I never do anything that the world would deem as uh, successful, I still am worthy. I still deserve to be happy. Apps. We're built. We're built for joy and happiness. We just continue to yes. block it. My brain keeps going back to uh, of the fact that you felt it in your body just as much as you felt it in your brain, and what a powerful tool that our brains are. That it can literally talk us into physical, physical ailments, physical, you know, that paralyzing feeling, being stuck in the bed, through all these thoughts. And the, it's interesting that the thing that can drive so much of our physical things also was part of the tool that got you out of your depression. It was really going through and shifting, changing those that center of belief system that was up yeah. there, but also in the body, in the heart, in the soul. And allowing, Absolutely. you know, going through the process like we do in our coaching to really relieve the mind of the busyness and the chaos and the harmful, painful thoughts and get into the body and start the healing process where the soul exists. So what have been some of the most powerful transformation tools for you to combat depression? Self-compassion mm-hmm. is my number one and will always be my number one. I'm going to talk about this until the day I die. <laughs> judgment, being judgmental with yourself, with yourself keeps you stuck. Keeps you stuck. So if you are saying, I should be doing something different, what is wrong with me? I think that's pretty much, that's the, that's, that's it. Those, now, those right? are heavy hitters. It's like this whole like, like beating yourself up. I can do better. I can do better. What's get me out of this? Like, why yes. can't, why am I stuck here? This Somebody isn't me. Needs, I need to fix myself. Like yeah. all of that is judgment. And so self-compassion sounds like, you know what, actually there's a reason for the way I'm being. And I'm just going to be really gentle with myself until I figure that out. Yeah. Right. 
And that actually leads me, I, I, I don't like saying the words figure it out anymore, actually, because it kind of leads us up into the mind. Um, because the second tool that, I, that has really helped me with overcoming depression is that um, it's not a figure it out thing. This is a feeling thing. Mm-hmm. This is not a logical thing. This isn't a logical journey. Undercover, like uncovering those three beliefs I shared with you guys was not from sitting on my bed thinking about it. It was from going into coaching situations where I was being deeply challenged and I was crying my ass off. Like, yeah. like just like feeling so like, oh, like existential crisis happening because these coaches were holding space for me and pulling me through it, right? And these deep beliefs, they don't they don't come being by yourself and just thinking and thinking about it. It comes from feeling and letting yourself be triggered and letting yourself, letting the body speak to you. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. We cannot figure it out. We must feel it out. We yes. have to oh, feel it out. I haven't heard that before. That's good. Yeah. I actually have that written on a sticky note on my desk. It's like, you can't, we cannot figure it out. We have to feel it out. That's just it. Yes. And yes. I know, yes. I love what you said about coaching too, because people use different mechanisms to go through these ailments. You know, some people use medication, some people use other things, some people use therapy. And I know for you, it sounds like coaching has been one of the most successful ways of combating all that you're going through. And I think that as a coach on this end, what I really try to do with my clients, and I think you do too, is yes, we go in and we peel off the layers and we shift and change the beliefs and we feel the pain and we feel the heartache and heartbreak, but it's also our responsibility to shine a light on the highest version of yourself and hold space for her and know that she's available to you as well. So we get to do them both together. We get to feel the darkness and the lightness together as we grow out of and into the version of ourselves that we actually want to become. Oh, that's so good. Right? So good. It's, It's such a beautiful process when you can truly hold space for somebody and watch them feel their way to a new space in their life because we will have hiccups it's the same thing with food and body right I have healed my relationship to food and and my body but it's not to say that I don't have days where little hiccups come up but because I've gone through the healing process I'm able to bounce back almost immediately or very quickly what used to take me months now takes me maybe 24 hours And not even that. It's usually 20 minutes, two hours. Depends on the funk, right? Whatever the funk is that's coming up and the junk. But having the toolbox and the awareness and the support that I'm able to now give myself that I was never able to give myself before is so freeing and so liberating because we know how to go through the process. Mm, Yes. It's not gone. It's never gone. But we're able to respond and bounce back so much faster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and actually, sometimes it can be gone. It can get to a place where it gets to be gone. I think with enough time and self-compassion, that's fine. For me, anyway, I feel like with practice of self-compassion, I swear, that stuff is so powerful. I mean, because there was a long time where I was saying my depression is never going to be gone. Like, I'm just going to keep working through it. And maybe I'll just get down to, instead of lasting for years, so I'll last two for days. And now it's gone. So, like, that's just such a testament to me that, like, when you keep 
choosing compassion and keep choosing curiosity and keep choosing this, there comes a point where it is in the past and it's done. Let me just close off with this. When I felt that my depression was gone from my body, I grieved. I was grieving. I was like, oh, like I had a moment where I was sobbing and saying goodbye to it. Like, can you feel like what I'm talking about? It was it was the most profound experience in my life that I went through a grieving process over saying goodbye to my depression. Wow. Well, it's it become it makes sense. It's it's almost like you have again you have a relationship with your grief, yeah. with all of that all that heaviness, and then you can't you barely you can't just can't even believe that it's possible that you it's gone. That you're like, I have to say goodbye to you. Like you're no longer, you're no longer here for me. Like I don't need you I'm anymore. I'm not that person anymore. Like it was like saying goodbye to an older version of myself in the same way that you'd say goodbye to somebody dying. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was so, so out of this world. I was like, wow. So it's such a privilege to be able to share this story now. Like it just feels so. It's just, I'm just so grateful, honestly, and. For anybody listening to this, like, it's absolutely possible to move through depression. And it really does come back to believing that it's possible mm. in the end, believing that it's possible. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. I want to make sure that everybody knows exactly where to find you. So give us a little bit of where can they find you? Yeah. Find me on Instagram. I am Raya Elizabeth or Facebook, Raya Elizabeth or my website, which is wildaircoaching.com. Beautiful. You guys make sure you check out everything that she's doing. She is truly a beautiful light in this world and leads her life with compassion and with her clients. It's such a beautiful gift. If you don't mind, I have two very quick questions that I ask all my listeners. The first one is, first one is, what do you love most about yourself? My ability to choose compassion. Yes. That's great. It's, it's, absolutely changed everything for me I love that I love that and the last one is what does joy feel like what does joy feel like oh my gosh it feels like you can breathe just you can just breathe so deeply and so easily and and the breath that comes through tastes and smells and feels so good (laughs) when you said that I just thought of cotton candy for some reason and I don't even really like cotton candy but I'm like oh that that tastes so good yeah to me like it just feels like like fresh wind going through my hair and just being like like I can breathe it's beautiful Thank you so much for painting that picture. I love that question. You're so welcome. I appreciate you taking the time with this podcast. I know it's going to help so many of our listeners. I love you so, so much, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Heidi. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own junk to joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Cup of Joy the Podcast and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon!